Hi, and welcome to Small Biz MBA. I'm Yasmin Ardi. One of the most common answers that entrepreneurs give to the question, what does your business need, is funding. At Racecorp, we believe that the thing that most companies need is a paying client. In other words, what most small businesses need, whether at startup level or in the early phases, is sales. Now, we've spoken about sales a lot. It is a key aspect of your business, and without it, you have no business. But today, I want to take this concept a step further and say you don't just need sales, you need profitable sales. Because if you're not making a profit, your sales are costing your business money, not making it money. But how do we ensure that we make a profit? We need a good pricing strategy. Pricing is a tough thing for smaller businesses in particular. Many entrepreneurs have a massive fail of pricing their products and services on the high end of the pricing scale. They talk about how they create excellent value and service, but believe that because they're small, they cannot price alongside their bigger competitors. The problem often comes when at the end of the month, there have been sales, but there's no money in the bank. When we look back, we realize that although we have priced according to what we believe our cost of sales to be, we have not taken the cost of doing business into account. In other words, our pricing has caused us to not make a real profit on our sales. Now I want to talk about cost of sales for a second. Do you know what your costs are? If you remember the episodes on both the budget and the income statement, cost of sales are defined as the direct costs that go into the production of your product or service. That word direct is really important. For some businesses, the direct costs are easy to calculate. It comes to the physical raw material that they use to make what they make. But what about the electricity that your machines run on? Surely that's a direct cost. How do you determine what that costs per item? For service businesses, this is even more complicated. What's the direct cost of delivering your skill? Are there any costs to it? This is not as easy as it seems on the face of it and something that has been the downfall of many businesses. In addition, your pricing needs to include a margin to cover the costs of doing business or like we learned in the income statement episode, our overhead expenses. Without these, our businesses would not exist. Believe it or not, a lot of entrepreneurs forget about this when they price. They often live with a misconception that their margin is big enough to cover this. Here's the problem. At the beginning of our businesses, generally we have very few overheads. We're working from home, so we have no rent to pay. And we do everything ourselves, so we have no staff to pay. So at that point, we are making a profit as a business. But as the business grows, we now need to take into account so much more and it becomes very complex. This is where the business is at its most vulnerable from a financial perspective. And most entrepreneurs find that their businesses are outgrowing them at a rapid rate. Now I'm going to add a question that is going to complicate things even further. My question is, what about value? What I mean by that is, how do you price so that it is not just the costs taken into account, but the value that you create as well? This is the real secret to pricing. It's not about the negative drivers, in other words, the costs. It's about the positive drivers, in other words, what your customers see when they look at your product. I'm not saying that competition does not form a part of this. Of course, we cannot price ourselves outside of our market's affordability or outside of our market's realistic expectations. 
But the higher the perceived value that is attached to a product by a customer, the more they will be willing to pay. And therein lies another very important aspect of pricing that many entrepreneurs do not consider. Our pricing forms part of our marketing and has a strong relationship with our brand perception in the market. Much of the time, we do not see what damage we're doing to our own brands by underpricing. Rather than having what we hope will be a positive effect of driving sales because it makes the product more attractive, it actually ends up having exactly the opposite effect of driving customers away because they do not believe that your product or service can deliver effectively at that price. This is particularly true when dealing with corporates, where delivery is the core element of why they will use a provider. I know, I know, you're only using this as an introductory price and after that you will change what your product really is worth. And the person you're dealing with will happily pay it because he's experienced the product. Well, I hate to tell you this, but when you raise your price, there will always be another startup waiting in the wings to deliver at the price that you previously sold at. Much like you, they have the same strategy. This gives the buyer all the power in the market. So what do we do about it? I've already alluded to the smartest strategy here and spoken about it in previous episodes as well. We need to create something special that cannot be easily substituted at a cheaper price. We need to pack our products and services with value that makes a real difference to our customers. We can do that in so many ways. And the fact is that different customers will pay you for different pieces of the value pie. Be creative, be innovative, ask your customers and give your customers many options. Then make sure that this links to your core competencies and that you can deliver on this time and time again. After the break, I talked to Michael Lee, who in his experiences as marketing manager for a multinational corporate has seen many interesting value propositions from many companies and has created some very innovative ways for his own brand. Join us after the break to pick his brain around winning pricing strategies and how to sell value. Welcome back to Small Biz MBA. I'm joined by Michael Lee from Clorox, who will help us understand a little more about the pricing intricacies, both for big businesses and small businesses. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, yes. Okay, so Clorox wouldn't be a name that a lot of our viewers would have heard. What is Clorox? What do you guys do? So Clorox is a multinational. We've uh -huh. been around for more than 100 years. And we started as a bleach business in the US. Mm -hmm. And um, our general manager started um, offering samples of Clorox bleach from, from his general store. It then expanded massively. Okay. It's now almost uh, six billion in sales. Okay, now that's something that a lot of our entrepreneurs can definitely aspire to. <laughs> definitely, it's something to work towards. <laughs> our South African business focuses on the Glad brand, I'm okay. sure you're familiar with. And we're very small in the total scheme of things, but being part of a multinational has its benefits that you've mm. got the insights and learnings of something that large. That, that, that's such an interesting statement, um, you know, because 
everybody knows glad. So, you know, for you to talk about it as in it's a small piece, you know, it's, yes. it's, that's, that's sort of must be very weird for an entrepreneur to hear. How do you see it as small? Well, in the Clorox context, uh, GLAD as a total business is in more than 40 countries. But okay. the South African GLAD business is very small in total. Okay. Uh, in the total concept of, of Clorox. Okay. So GLAD is a name we all know. Um, surely you can, you know, set your price and everybody just has to follow suit, right? Well, the pricing concept concept is worked in reverse in, in, in Clorox. We we focus on enduring value. Okay. So, so what is the enduring value that a particular product or brand has mm -hmm. and um, how does that then relate into the consumer value? So um, when it comes to innovation, mm -hmm. that's normally key to any pricing decision. And th that differentiates any product versus the total competition. So you found a really interesting little value creation model within the greater scheme of things where it's not completely dependent on hey get a freebie which is you know the traditional way of, of mm. companies doing a lot of things <coughs> so tell us about about what glad is currently doing in terms of creating a greater value for its customers okay so if if you look at emerging um, mega trends okay one of the key mega trends currently is value. Mm -hmm. Consumers are looking for uh, better quality. They're looking for getting their RANDs to extend further. We all need that. <laughs> and they're also looking for a better experience. Yeah. They're then applying that to other trends. So um, there's trends around food waste. Yeah. Internationally, you're looking at a third of all food produced being wasted. I, I'm sorry, that's a statistic that just baffles me. Um, you know, if you if you think about just the sheer volume of that and and the possibilities of you know on a on a global level the possibilities of that going into something more positive. You know, mm. the, the world could really change. Absolutely. So, so there's two trains of thought around yeah. that. There's there's a political decision that people are seeing um, governments and organizations as the solution. Mm -hmm. And then there's the alternative, which is the consumer decision. Consumers are becoming more aware of food wastage. Mm -hmm. And they're also combining that with thinking around um, providing the best quality food to their family. So if you think about those in conjunction, mm -hmm. how much food is wasted on the basis that it's not what you would want to provide your family. And aligned with that is a lot of emotion, um, the feeling that I've actually wasted mm. not only the money, but the food. Yeah. And in, in that lies the consumer value. Yeah. If your product functions and does mm -hmm. the best possible job mm -hmm. at extending the, the life of mm -hmm. fresh food, you become an enabler in that mega trend. So okay. You're looking at consumers and you're saying, I have a solution for you. Mm -hmm. Here's how simple it is. Wrap food, extend the life of fresh for th three days longer, in, yep. in a particular case, seven days. Yep. 
those are all significant if, if you think about the purchasing habits mm. of the average consumer. They might be buying every day, they might be buying once a week, they might be only buying at the end of the month. So I come from one of those families where, um, you know, we were we weren't necessarily given the stories around, um, you know, starving children in in Ethiopia, but you definitely understood that you didn't waste anything. Right. And I think that one of the one of the reasons behind it was that, you know, food is such a basic need. It, it's I mean it really is. Food is life. <laughs> And glad has sort of, you know, become part of our part of our lives because of that reason, you know, because mm. you know you shouldn't waste. Um, so, how is uh, you were talking about megatrends? Okay, yes. very nice word. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and just to elaborate on that a little, that's uh, that's quite simply a trend that is global, a trend that is that is that is upcoming, a, a trend that is on the uh, sort of. On the on the global scale, and it will mm. be for a while. Yes, did I get that about right? It's, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of social support. Mm -hmm. It um, it links across boundaries, so um, there's no particular group that mm -hmm. uh, it aligns to. So it's an all-encompassing idea or concept that globally is being supported. So let's get back to our small businesses. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so. I am not a multinational. I am not known in stores, uh, but I do understand that I need to create this thing called value in order to build sustainable pricing. Right. Okay. What What can I learn from the story to put into my own business? Well, the reality is that mega trends are not owned by any company or any business. They they're the nature of consumer behavior. Mm. What's driving consumer behavior? Mm. And if you can align value in, in approaching uh, consumers with a solution, mm -hmm. rather than purely producing a product, yeah. and communicating effectively that the solution is embedded in the value of that particular product, then decisions that typically happen with, with uh, certain small businesses where they make compromises on the value in their products and over, over time can't afford to sustain those products yeah. um, is the key learning there. Uh, you, you know, the, the reality is that consumers make those decisions. Mm -hmm. they, they actually identify the value in a product and therefore either pay for it or don't pay for it. But consumers vote with their wallets. It's that simple, and, and they'll, they'll vote for the things that gives them the greatest value. And value isn't necessarily just a pricing issue, it's an overall this is part of who mm. I am issue. But coming back to pricing, yes, of course, if it is part of who I am, and if it is such an innate part of something that I believe in, I'm going to be willing to pay for to pay more for that item rather than its competitors. And that's the key insight. If you develop a product that you want to sell at a particular price or you, mm. you want consumers to consistently purchase year after year, mm -hmm. you need to stop thinking about price and start thinking about value. Make yeah. sure that the product has as much value as possible in it mm -hmm. and when it exceeds that price barrier, consumers will act with their feet and they will 
arrive at shelf and they will purchase the product consistently and over time yeah. you'll then build that value within the market and over time <coughs> you'll then build that brand and because this is the first place that I found this thing that fits everything that I'm looking for I'm not likely to go anywhere else mm. so what you mentioned around um, the sort of cut pricing process yeah. if that is used as an opportunity to engage consumers to try products mm. um, if you if you look at the start of our history uh, our business took off in the process of sampling mm. products so in effect there's absolutely no price to a sample it's it's a hundred percent discount <laughs> the the change is that you're expanding the amount of people who are trialing the product yeah and if the experience is outright way above uh, in, a, in meeting mm -hmm. expectations, then pricing is secondary. Then the consumer wants that particular brand because of its performance. And at that point, you're in the position to make sure that the product is available at, at, a, at a profitable rate. And of course, deliver it amazingly. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you so much for sharing your insights with our viewers. Pleasure, thanks for having me. After the break, I do a wrap-up of the key insights in pricing. Join me for that. Welcome back to Small Biz MBA. Today we're talking pricing, and I'd like to give you some key tips to make sure that your pricing strategy hits the right mark. First and foremost, you need to make sure that your pricing is in line with the value that you want people to believe you're creating in the market. Think about some of the top brands out there. They haven't been scared of putting a big, big price tag on the value that they create. And these are the ones that have been in the market for years and years. Go and look at what they started off at. Chances are it was never the cheapest in the market. Now, in a book that we give every single entrepreneur on our program, we talk about the costs of doing business. Now, I've said this a few times. And the fact of the matter is that a lot of the time, we do not think about the background costs of our businesses. I want to give you just three things to think about whenever you're pricing. Now, these are three things that are in addition to your markup, which we, of course, spoke about in the income statement episode. The first thing I want to talk about is a simple fact that stuff happens. Nothing ever goes according to plan. So in planning your business, you have to also plan for the fact that in the background, life is happening and making other plans for you. How does this affect your business? Quite simply, the price that you quoted at cannot change. What you said to your client can't change. But if you've planned for it right up front, it's easy for you to take those costs into account. The second thing that you need to take into account is the simple fact that we're trying to grow a business. Your business is not going to stay the same. And when your business grows, it becomes a more expensive operation for you to run. Up front, I spoke about how at the moment you might not have any rent costs, you might not have any staffing costs. Think about how different that looks compared to the ideal business that you're trying to build. Think about that vision. Remember the vision that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago? 
that picture is obviously more expensive than the reality that you're sitting with now. So you need to price so that you'll be able to run the same business, but in that future. The third thing that we always need to take into account is something that I've spoken about today, and that's overheads. And I cannot overemphasize this. Fact of the matter is that your overheads cannot get paid unless you are charging a suitable price. Too often I hear entrepreneurs go, well, I'm not making a profit, so I need to make more sales. Yet when you go and you look at their sales, it's actually quite sufficient for their business. However, they are charging too little. And no matter how many sales they make, it's actually always going to end up in a negative net profit for them. Look at your pricing. If you're not making, if you're not making a net profit, the first thing that you need to look at is your pricing. Now, I can hear a lot of entrepreneurs shouting at me, but I can't charge that. Why not? The biggest competitors in your market are not the cheapest ones. And they're not the cheapest ones because they know how small the margins actually are. Look at your margins. You've got room to play because, hey, this is your business. Now, of course, on top of this, we want to make money. Don't forget that we want to make money. So don't forget, in addition to all these costs that you're taking into account, your own margin your own bread and butter, because as an entrepreneur, you cannot be doing this for free. Looking at pricing as a strategy is something that a lot of entrepreneurs get scared of very quickly. I want to kind of go back to something that I say a lot. It's your business to do the hard work. It's your business to do the things that no one else in your business can. And this is part of working on your business rather than working in your business. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Small Biz MBA. And don't forget to join us next time when we look at another interesting topic for you, the small business owner. Goodbye.